big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name is Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today we are talking all about feeling loved. So <laughs> I would like to start off with a question. Are you feeling loved right now? Mm, Are yeah, you feeling loved is, right now? This is such a beautiful one. We're probably going to sit here with like smiles on our faces the whole time. And I love when we come up with um, what we're going to talk about in our podcast that so often it is around you know, what's happening in our lives or what we're experiencing with clients. But I think this one was such a beautiful one. We both mutually, <laughs> we called it the same thing through our messaging to each other, didn't we? Of oh, What do we want parents to know about what it feels like for children to feel loved, for us to feel loved? Are we getting our needs met through what we perceive love to be? And I think, you know, this is, this is such a beautiful piece that underpins so much of what we do in conscious or aware parenting. Uh, but it's something that sometimes I think we miss some cues around it. So it's a beautiful topic to explore. Mm, and I'd really like to start out with, well, lots of, com- lots of compassion for us all as, and to you all as you listen to this. Because what I'd love to say first of all is to really think about maybe even your own experience growing up and with your parent or parents, whatever you family system that you grew up in is, did you experience feeling loved in that in your family of origin or or did you ever did you often um because you know if you think about it pretty much all parents or most parents let's say you know unless people are really you know got really big things going on for them you know really love their children and you know want to love them and feel loving towards them and yet often the the thing especially in the old-fashioned paradigm that most of us grew up in the the actual practical things that parents get uh, encouraged to do end up and often through a sense of wanting to be loving and wanting to do it to contribute to a child but often children don't feel loved when that happens and I imagine you can think of times like that in your life as a child where perhaps your parents were doing something that they thought was really loving you know they really wanted you to to um I don't know, get a really great job. So they made you do a certain course or, you know, learn the piano or whatever it was, and you didn't really want to do it. And maybe you just didn't experience being loved or being heard. They they were doing it out of a sense of love. So there's often this um, almost like a disconnect, isn't there, between a parent's, parent's sense of loving their child and a child actually having a felt sense of being loved. So I think what a lot we might talk about today is, Um, What can we do to help our children feel loved? Um, How can we support them uh, when they haven't felt loved? Because we can always repair and support that that healing to happen. And what can we do around our own experiences of feeling loved so that that, it's almost like more osmotically radiates out from us to our children? 
Mm, I love all that. I love the different levels and layers of that. And as you, as you were talking then and you were saying, I wonder is your experience when you're a child feeling love, I had such a flashback then to being picked up from school one day and mom, my mum saying, I've got a surprise for you. And I was like, oh, like, you know, thinking, oh my God, like something's going to be really amazing. And we drove to the shop and she went in and she walked out <laughs> with this. <laughs> my mum's listening to this, she'll laugh. It was like a plaque or something that you hang on the door and it had Lael written on it because there was never any keychains with the name Lael on it. You know how you go to shop sometimes? Yes. <laughs> it's it's or never a Marion either. <laughs> never a Lael. Anyway, so she gives me this plaque with a picture of a little girl in it that says Lael. And she was so excited. She's like, you know, obviously she'd had it made and she was like, oh, here it is. And I remember just the biggest sense of disappointment. <laughs> I remember just feeling like. I, this doesn't make me happy. Like I don't, I really distinctively remember, I must've been about six or seven or something in that deep feeling of disappointment if you don't get me. And it's really interesting, you know, as you do the work on yourself, you realize how that, those stories like that keep perpetuating in your life. And I remember reliving that experience every time it was birthdays or every time it was Christmas, whenever there was like gifts, giving and stuff like that, I always felt really disappointed. Like I didn't, I wasn't seen or I didn't get what I wanted. Like, and I carried that story for a really, really long time. Like even like into my thirties, I think. And then I went, Oh, there's a strong theme here and it's me. (laughs) Probably I should look at my belief system around that. And then I changed it and was very open to receiving all the things that feel wonderful in my life and feel good. But I have such a clear memory of that as a child of my mum's excitement of on some level one I mean she showed me love in so many other beautiful ways but there was that material representation of what love looked like and just feeling that deep like oh I don't care about the plaque and funnily enough I found that same plaque actually um uh, like oh my mum gave it to me a year or so ago and I was like oh "Oh, I remember this I'll hold on to it (laughs) it's right how interesting when you say now I'll hold on to it did you Mm -hmm. did you now have that sense like when you could go back and see that your mum had thought about this and realized that you you hadn't got one and you could see you could feel the love like now yeah in the way that isn't that yes. so interesting? I love yeah, that. Yeah, and I could see it, I could feel it and appreciate it through the mother, yeah. you know, through that mother lens that I hold now and thinking about yeah. what I do for my own children. Or, yeah. you know, sometimes love looks like getting up at six o'clock in the morning and taking your child to swimming practice. Yes. And sometimes love is sitting there freezing, watching them play soccer. And sometimes it's, I mean, there's so many other elements everybody knows as parents. Often it's those things that we do that we probably choose not to, but you do it because you love your kids and, yeah. you, you know, that's the sense of loving but whether they see that like that or not is really is interesting and I you know I love this topic because when we were thinking about what we talk about I I actually went to my three children and I well two of them I text and said hey what is it that we do that makes you feel loved? Like what are the things that we like dad and I do that makes you feel like you feel really loved by us and um and I love all three different responses from my kids. My, my middle one who I sent the text to, she's like, oh, this is too long for a text. We need to have a conversation about this. And so she came home and she's beautiful and, and just deep. And she gave me all the big things around what it was. But what was fascinating for all three of my kids, which was really what was different for them. And I asked my son, you know, who's 20, what is it that makes you feel loved? And and he said, oh, 
it's when you, you know, it's when you buy, and this is going to sound really materialistic, but it's not, but he's like, it's when you buy me things or you think of things that I'd like, and then you buy it for me, he goes, I feel really loved. Or like, if you take my car and just fill it up with petrol, I feel really loved. And I was like, and we were laughing because my son loves beautiful things. Like he was the type of kid at every Christmas and birthday, he would send me an email with a list of all the links (laughs) to buy the things and he'd write up the top. Now, this would all cost like $3,000 and you don't have to buy it all, but I'm just letting you know, like it was a running joke in our family because he was very good at asking for what he wants. Mm, don't worry, I didn't spend $3,000 on him for Christmas. And I'd go, let's pick one or two of those things. But he, that's always been who he is. He loves beautiful things. It's one of his, his things. And so yeah. he said that for him, mm. or when you think of me and you send me things, well, you would love this, like something, a, a beautiful design piece of furniture or music or something, you know, he feels seen in that. Yes. And then he said, and he, and then he used the words, he goes, my other love language is touch. And he said, but I don't need you guys to touch me that much anymore because I get that from my girlfriend. And I was like, okay, great. <laughs> you, know, you know where you get it from. Yeah. And then I made me think about as a little boy and even growing up, he always loved to snuggle and he always comes in and gives kisses hello and goodbye and he still does that now like he he will if whenever he walks into a room he'll you know hug or kiss anybody like he touches his big thing and so it really made me go ah yes okay I really get that whereas my other daughters they both said really for them it's the little words and so they were saying things like uh, it's when you just say, good night, I love you. It's when um, you just go, how was your day? Like for both of them, it was the checking in. And then this was really beautiful. And I, I share this with any parents of teenagers. What they both said made them feel really loved is when we offer to hang out with them. Hey, do you want to hang out? Do you want to watch a show? And they both said, even if we say no, it still feels really good that you're asking. And I was like, mm, that's really beautiful that that's what made them feel really loved that, you know, that we're there or that we care within that. Uh, and my other daughter who, my youngest one who really values cleanliness and being on time, she says, I feel loved when we're on time to places. <laughs> I was like, good. <laughs> Got it. I know that that's what makes you happy. So I really encourage you if you have children who you know, obviously a verbal and, you know, who may understand this concept to ask them, what is it that makes you feel loved? What is it that we do? Because it's such beautiful insight, isn't it? Into who our children are, what we perceive, what we think love might look like for them, but what fills up their cup, what feels beautiful for them. And um, I mean, one of, one of my other daughters did say, I feel loved when you don't judge And she said, I feel like, you know, I have lots of friends whose parents really judge what they do and I don't ever feel judged by you. And that makes me feel really loved. And so, yeah, it was such a beautiful conversation to have. I really recommend doing it um, with your children. And then I joked to my husband and we've had this conversation before. What makes you feel loved? (laughs) We went into this ridiculous, funny conversation. Um, He's like, when you put your dishes away. And I was like, "Uh (laughs) uh-huh. No, we were joking. Um, but, but I think these are conversations that are so beautiful to have. And I'm sure people are aware of love languages and those kind of things of how we like to give love, how we like to receive love, you know, what that feels for us. They're beautiful conversations to have and really beautiful to have with our children because even from having that conversation a few days ago, I think for both my husband and I, we became really just like, oh, really those words are so powerful for them. Like we almost upped the ante on it a little bit, just hearing that. It was pretty beautiful. So I I really recommend having that conversation with your children if if they're open to it. That specificity is so helpful, isn't it? Knowing what what people really love. Mm -hmm. Hey, Lael, do you you remember what you did love as a child? Like I'm really hearing that the plants 
pack park did not do it for you. Do you, mm. do you remember what really did? Yes. You... Your birds are singing really loudly. Oh, <laughs> yes. I can hear your birds are singing. I love that when we record this, we've got your birds in the background. Um, four of them. So they really, they, uh, they're saying, I'd really love to hear. We really want to hear. What you is it? What makes your heart sing? Yeah. For me, actually, um, I loved words and I still do love words. So when people write beautiful words to me, it makes me really, really happy. But I also love receiving things like gifts or stuff that people have thought about. And that for me as a child, I think I felt really disappointed around because I felt like it never hit the mark. And so when my parents did do stuff like that, it felt um, really beautiful for me. Um, you know, I think things like, you know, my dad didn't play with us much, but the one thing he did do was wrestle with us. And so I have fond memories of wrestling and that felt really connected and that we were quite loved in that. Um, you know, I always felt very loved by my parents, um, but I think there were, you know, I, I, I never doubted their love. I felt very, very loved by them. And um, I, I grew up in quite a safe house in many ways. You know, there wasn't much anger or aggression or definitely no violence and all that kind of stuff. So it was a very safe upbringing. And I, and I think where I did feel loved is the message I got from a very young age is you can be whoever you want to be. And I remember my dad used to have this saying, he goes, I don't care if you're a garbage collector. He goes, as long as you love it, then you do whatever you want. Like I just, I have, he, that was his one line he used to say ever since we were little kids. So, you know, it was really drummed into us, be who you want to be. Like we'll support you no matter what. So yeah, they were my pieces of, feeling loved what about for you oh I love that you shared that last bit because mine was really similar it's like my parents always really supported me just to do whatever I wanted they didn't ever you know try to um you know get me to do anything else and they would just always support me to to follow what I any judgment or any like why are you doing that or you know I, I quite often change things so I did a psychology degree and a PhD and then I was in academia and then I was like yeah I don't want to do that anymore and there was no like no we you know we think you should stay they just really you know in terms of our last podcast on trust they really trusted my callings and that was mm. um, really experienced such a deep sense of love um and the other thing was uh, my mum taking me ice skating. Ice skating mm. was my passion as a teenager. So just all that I'm thinking about what you were saying earlier on about all those, the cold mornings. So all the time she sat on a radiator in a cold ice rink to get me <laughs> driving at six o'clock in the morning. So that, mm. was, uh, that was, so really supporting me and doing what I loved. Was mm. well. mm. And I think that's a beautiful, uh, you know, as a parent, we do stuff because we love them. And, and again, even if it's it's putting us out or we've already spent two hours in the car but then we're driving to drop them off somewhere or it's those hours where we're awake with them in the middle of the night when they're bubbers and all that kind of stuff that is um the incredible giving that we do but i also think that piece that both you and i were talking about it's familiar for us around not having the pressure to be something we weren't and i think I see that a lot often um, in parents who say, I love my children unconditionally. And I think that that is something that we need to lean into a bit because a lot of times people say, I love my children unconditionally, but there's a, there's a clause that goes with it, which is, but they still have to get good grades or they still have to have excellent manners or they still have to, um, you know, stick with something. If that's what they say they're going to do, they've got to stick with it because I've paid for it or whatever is our story sometimes is, 
you know, locked into, you know, I totally love them and I don't doubt that we all love our children, but sometimes we have conditions that we are blinded by a little bit around what we perceive, you know, our children should do or should be. And this ties in a lot with our last podcast we did around trust, of trusting their journey within it. And we were both just talking before about, you know, Alfie Cohen has a great book called Unconditional Parenting, which I highly recommend reading because he really does highlight so many of the... Um, the loopholes of what we miss, I think, in when it comes to parenting and our expectations that we put on our children. I think it's really, you know, it's a great book. It's worth reading. Yeah, and I would also see, you know me, I'm passionate about the cultural perspective that I really would see this as so much related to uh, domination, colonised culture around parenting and you know, my understanding of many Indigenous cultures where there was much more of a sense of, or there is still much more of a sense of, um, the trust and fluidity and you know if we think about you know even just punishments and rewards until recently that was just the thing we did to children didn't it? it's just you, you know punishments and rewards and shame and blame and coercion and you do what you're told or you know be quiet all of that stuff and um no, but parents, say in the 50s or the 70s or whenever it was doing that thing, and even still now would be saying, no, I really love my child. And also saying, you know, go to your room or it's time out. And again, I'm not, this is no judgment of anyone because this is the cultural conditioning that we don't realize that then if we are doing those things, the, the love that we feel is not going to be felt by the child. The child is not going to experience being loved if we are punishing them or putting them in time out or grounding them or any of those things and not that's not going to transmit so mm. i guess what i love is about where parenting is it's it's really practical tangible ways to help a child feel loved so i'm thinking about attachment play for example you know if you think about you know so there's a child who's really antsy and agitated and it's and you know it's getting to the time where they would normally go to bed in the more domination paradigm that might be a parent being conditioned to go, you know, to get punishy or threatening or withdraw a connection or any of those things. Um, And what I love, if we move in with attachment play, for example, it's really a tangible way where a child really gets to feel that sense of being loved, that that we're moving in with warmth and with connection and with play and with, you know, that curiosity, which is, you know, far more likely for them to actually feel a sense of loving support. And of course, we know that how a child feels, one of the core tenets of aware parenting, how a child feels deeply affects their behavior. So the more a child experiences being loved, the more they're going to um, be willing to cooperate and Mm. be feeling calm and relaxed in their bodies so that they can concentrate when they're learning and they can Mm. sleep when they're tired, all those things that are really helpful to us as parents, (laughs) that Mm. the more they experience a deep embodied sense of I'm loved as I am and I'm accepted and I'm welcomed and I can go in it soft and I love what you share about, you know, I can go to my parents, whatever has happened, the more they're going to actually feel that deep sense of relaxation and openness, expansiveness in their bodies so that they can be free to to be who they really are and to behave in the ways that are actually really enjoyable as well for us. Mm, Yes, I love all of that. I love that. And and it's making me think too about how do we feel as parents loved by our children? So I often have, um, you know, one of the things that 
often pops up for me with clients around stuff going on with their kids is when their children say, I hate you, you're the worst dad in the world, or, you know, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you're a poo mum or whatever it is when they're just what we might consider disrespectful to you. Um, you know, which of course we don't see it like that. We just see that there, there's a child who's got some stuff going on, yes. but you know, a lot of the time too, because of how we were brought up and how we were raised and particularly if we were raised with conditional parenting, which means when you are good, we love you. And when you're not, we're going to withdraw love or we're going to disconnect from you or we're going to separate from you that we can often be really, really activated when our children say those things to us. And what can come up is they don't love me. I'm not a good mom. You know, we don't feel loved by our children because they're saying that. And that that's a really big, beautiful invitation into leaning into Okay, let's firstly remember that that your child is trying to express, you know, I have a whole lot of feelings going on here and I'm going to try and find the words that I know will make you see how mad I am in those moments. But also then a, a beautiful invitation to lean into what comes up for you around that. You know, do we have a story that says if my children are happy, if they say they love me, then I'm, I'm good enough. Like I, I'm doing a good job as a parent and I'm enough as a parent, but if they don't, then I'm failing. And, you know, I mean, there's many different threads that you can lean into around that, but that's something I see quite common, quite often, sorry, with parents is that when our children are in the middle of big feelings and they're saying things like that, that, that wound can often pop up for us of like, you don't love me or I'm not lovable and you know, all that kind of stuff. And, I really, you know, feel for parents and say to them, oh, but they do because the, the driving motivation for all children is they want to stay connected to us. They want to do the right thing. They are trying so hard to find their way back to us when they're feeling really big, when big feelings are going on. And if that involves sometimes lashing out and sometimes it involves big words, sometimes it involves swearing, our job is to hold our centre and take a deep breath and look behind what's going on and say, oh, there's a lot of pain there and I can help you with that. I can hold that for you. But that can feel so challenging if we've still got a big story for ourselves around, you know, that part of not being loved. Mm, yes, I so hear that and so resonate with what you're saying. What I love about that sense then is that invitation, as you said, and as we reflect on our journeys, we talk about it a lot. You know, I, my experience is really the more then we do our own inner internal work in whatever way that is, the more we have that deep sense of being loved mm. uh, and that we're really carrying that in our body, that embodied sense of I am loved and I am lovable and there's nothing wrong with me and I haven't done anything wrong. And, you know, the, well, the healing of the younger parts and those past hurts around where we didn't experience being loved, the more then the way I see it is then we can see our children through the eyes of love more of the time. So it means, mm. you know, whatever they're doing, we can see it through, for example, an aware parenting lens. Uh, you know, the three things that we always love to talk about, you know, what do they need some information? What unmet needs are there? What painful feelings are there showing up mm. that they need to express? So that mm. the beautiful invitation of this work is when we are not experiencing being loved, when those things are showing up, the more we work with those, the more we sit in the sense of love, mm. and we can really see our children through the eyes of love and respond in ways that they are likely to receive as being loved. So, mm. in, you know, really tangible terms, if we respond with warmth and with empathy and with eye contact and with gentle present touch, they are more likely to experience being loved than if we respond 
you know, from a, from a harsh place or from a, mm. a hurt uh, and all of those mm. things, which of course are normal and natural and that's going to happen. You know, we're going to respond from those places. The beautiful invitation that we get to more and more be able to feel that um, I, I love you too, but often anchoring, don't you? Anchored mm. in that sense of love so that we mm. see them through the eyes of love and we can respond in loving ways, which then they experience as they are loved. And then they mm. feel happier and more relaxed in their bodies and then everything is goes more enjoyably. Mm, yes, I love that. I love that. And as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, that question to ask your children if, you know, they are verbal of how does it feel is such a beautiful indication. But for those of you who have little bubbers or toddlers or perhaps aren't there yet, you know, I think children are always inviting us into how they feel loved. So they ask you to play or they ask you to like stroke their back or they love to snuggle up on your lap and they keep bringing books to you to read or they keep asking why, why? <laughs> like those beautiful kids that are just full of questions, needing information. I think as we attune to them, we begin to see what it is that just creates that that sparkle in their eye the openness or relaxness in their relaxness in their body as you were saying and it feels good because you know when we talk about love we have to talk about oxytocin which is the most magnificent <laughs> hormone which is the hormone of love it helps us to bond and connect it makes us feel good and you know when oxytocin is present because you feel good mm. you smile your heart feels open you feel relaxed and and so that you know if you're struggling to go well what does that look or feel like then tune into your body a little bit when you are with your children and when they're inviting you to do something or you're with them how does that feel and sometimes that can look like for me I really learned this with with my third daughter when I first came to aware parenting and particularly listening to her when she was a baby when she would have big tears and to be able to sit there with presence and listen to her felt like the greatest intimacy of my life. Mm. And as I would hold that space and look in her eyes and I was able to be soft and compassionate and listening to her, that felt like love because it just felt like I am here holding you in the hardest parts. And, you know, it took me a while to get to the point where I could really do that in the beginning. I think we shared this. I was a little bit wobbly and I was like, come on, you're doing a good job. Let's finish this up. But over time, the more I could relax into that, the more I could trust that process. And that, that really, truly did feel like as I sat there holding that space for her, that was what real love felt like. I'm with you in the times where you're feeling really, where it's feeling hard, where you've got lots to tell me. It's not just the times where we're laughing and giggling and it feels good, but it's there's those times too where I'm sitting with you and I'm holding that space for you and I'm trusting your journey to move through it. Like that to me feels in my world, like the deepest sense of love and not just with my children, but with my partner, with my friends, you know, that just feels, you know, in my map of the world, that's what it feels like for me, deeply feeling loved and showing love. Yes. Oh, I'm so with you. Thank you for sharing that. I'm, I'm having those similar memories too, that some of the most intimate and most profound experiences to really listen to our babies and children i remember that too like I just I, you know i love you so much and to, to my children i love you too so much now um but mm -hmm. for them to be sharing the most deepest feelings and often really painful feelings and to be sharing that with us it's the most profound honor isn't it to actually see mm -hmm. see like a child's or a being's soul their deepest places yes. in them and i think that's one of the amazing gifts that aware parenting offers because i think you know how we respond to our baby or child's feelings 
does have a really big impact on the extent to which they experience feeling loved. And I, and I really remember this, you know, I used to work as a psychotherapist and I'd have clients coming to me and they're often there thirties and their forties and their fifties. I was only in my twenties at the time, but, and I remember them, you know, so often the sessions were about, you know, I really didn't feel loved by my parents because they wouldn't listen to me when I was crying or when I was sad or when I was angry or frustrated or outraged. And so that, that, um, you know, because as babies and children, we interpret, uh, we don't interpret because we cannot see from their perspective, like you were saying with your mum, you know, we can't interpret, oh, you know, my mum isn't able to listen to me being really angry right now because she was never heard as a child or she's really stressed, she doesn't know how to pay the rent or um, she doesn't understand how important it is to listen to my feelings or, you know, no one ever heard her, whatever, all those reasons we usually interpret it as I'm not loved, I'm not lovable. There's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with my feelings. I shouldn't be feeling this way. You know, these are all the interpretations that we make that there's something actually wrong with us, that we are not loved. We are not lovable. So, you know, whenever we have the capacity to listen to our child, when they are crying, when they are raging, when they are feeling disappointed, when they're feeling outraged, when they're, you know, all the, all the different feelings, the more likely is they're going to experience that they are unconditionally loved as we want them to because they they know oh my gosh when i'm sad it's a really practical thing my dad is there holding me and i'm crying in his arms i i feel loved and as you see all the beautiful oxytocin all those things my gosh i'm really loved i am loved in my sadness or having a big tantrum and you know just the parents there I'm loved in my range. I'm loved in my feelings. Isn't that like, and I can see you know, really touched. I'm really touched. Isn't that what we really want? And this is what Aware Parenting offers, which is, I think, where one of the reasons we're so passionate about, isn't it? Because, you know, these are the things we see in adults all the time. I don't feel loved. I didn't experience being loved. And such a simple and yet complex thing to, to listen to feelings can make a profound difference in how our children feel in terms mm. of that we do love them unconditionally. We do welcome their feelings. I feel touched seeing you feel touched. Do, do you want, are you happy to share what showed up for you? Yeah. So I'm sitting here with tears rolling down my face. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just making me think about, you know, um, my beautiful um, middle child, you know, has been through an amazing journey in this last year. And at one point, you know, she was really, there was a lot of feelings going on for her and she was really scared and lots of stuff was going on. And my husband and I walked into her room and she was on the floor and we both just sat beside her on the floor and we just sat there in complete silence and she was just feeling everything. And my husband just said, we've got you. We're here. We're not going anywhere. And we just sat there with this incredible reverence and I had tears rolling down my face, not because I was worried about my daughter, not because um, I didn't know what was going to happen next. But I remember in that moment feeling this is what every human should have. Um, people who love them sitting there in their darkest spaces, holding for them saying, I'm with you and I see you and we've got you and we trust you. And, um, you know, it was, it was a really, really powerful moment. You know, we've had lots of powerful moments, but 
particularly with our beautiful teenager who, who was navigating some tricky stuff to sit there and hold that space, which was just of pure love and, and allow her to move through what she needed to and come out the other side. And after like 20 minutes or half an hour. And at the time, our dog who is just like, it's just therapy for everybody was also in the room and he went up to her and he put his little chin on her leg and he just didn't leave her side. And he just bought, you know, dogs are amazing. He just bought this incredible balance to wherever she needed to. But it was such a profound experience of, we barely said anything, but we just sat in complete respect and love and acceptance of where she was. And I, you know, for me in that moment, I was like, this is healing. This is what healing is. This is what feeling loved is. And all of us as humans, when things are hard, it's what we need. We need that circle of someone who loves us to be there and say, hey, I've got you and I'm here. And the more we experience that, the more we're able then to do that for ourselves. And I, um, you know, and I didn't have that when I was a teenager. I don't think many of us who are parents now had that. It's a rare diamond that I find someone who had parents that were able to do that. But I just see what a difference that makes. I, f- I see the healing it brought both my husband and I. I see the healing it brought to my daughter. I, I, I see it just adds even more weight to why what we're talking about is so important in the world. Yeah. I'm here in tears too. Thank you so much for sharing now. Thank you. And I would love to also send so much love to our listeners right now. You might be feeling some tears for yourself to to really be reflecting on that most of us didn't get this growing up, not because our parents didn't love us, but because they didn't know how. They didn't, you know, the culture wasn't at this point that it is now. They didn't know how to be with our feelings. They might have thought love was you know cheering us up giving us a chocolate biscuit telling us you know it would be fine don't worry it will be okay so so much love to everyone right now around all the Mm. places and the times where we did not receive this kind of presence and Mm. true embodied love the embodiment of love Mm. and i you know i really want to say too thank you for that marion (laughs) regroup (laughs) i think i've really cried on this podcast no i love it that you have thank you Uh, I I really want to offer that it is never too late for us to find this. It is never too late for that healing because, you know, I I remember when I was in the middle of um, PTSD, maybe 12 years ago, it was really big. And um, one time I ended up at my mum's house because I was just not in a great place. And it was three o'clock in the morning and I, I was in the bath or something and I got out and I just could not stop sobbing. And she got up and she came and she wrapped a towel around me and I was literally in the fetal position on the floor and I was right in the middle of my trauma and she just held me. And, um, you know, and I remember just crying and sobbing and I said to her at the time, people in the world don't get this. Like, you know, this is, you know, and I remember having massive then on top of my own grief, more grief for the rest of the world (laughs) held by their mums. And she just held me. And what's interesting is, you know, my mum's an amazing wise woman, you know, she's been on our podcast, but I don't, she has had to learn to do that as she's grown. Like that was not something that necessarily she did in to that level when I was younger or when we were kids, but as you know, she's grown and 
she's had grandchildren and all the stuff and growth that she's done, her capacity to do that then developed. And that's why I think, you know, some people may never be able to do that, which is okay because they're doing the best job they know how. But for others, I, I want to know that even if you feel like, oh, I don't really do that, I just, I really want to open it up that that is always possible for us. And, and, it, is, and it, it is, again, lots of compassion if you can't do that because it feels hard. Don't be hard on yourself. Like nobody ever showed you what that felt like. Like I am sure that I am only able to do with what my daughter, what I do now is because of then what my mum showed me, you know, and then what she's healed and then the work I've done and all those spaces has given me then the capacity to do it. So that's why we always talk about the more that we are heard, the more that we have someone hold space for us, the greater capacity it gives us to then do that for our children. I don't think you can have one without the other. No. I'd have to almost invite a little moment of silence, really, for um, like collectively, the collective, the culture that the majority of people live in right now, where, where really most people are really crying out for actual tangible experiences of being loved, having people who can sit with them in their feelings, in our feelings, in, in our needs. Mm. And I have such a sense, don't you, if, if we all had that, you know, we would live in the, the world that we all dream of. But in a way, it's, it's simple, isn't it? It's it a cliche, but it is, it's all about the love. But this is really practical, tangible. It isn't just like, love everyone. It's like, how can we experience being loved? Well, one of the ways is to do whatever we need to do to increase our capacity to be with our baby or child or tween or teen or adult child's feelings. That's a really tangible way that we can communicate that to them. Mm. And also then how do we love ourselves? Because, you know, that's all part of it. And so for many of us, it's re yeah, well, it's, it's so much of that reparenting what we didn't get to know that we are worthy of being loved, like all the beautiful stuff you were saying, you know, I think the word self love is thrown around really willy nilly these days. It's just like a buzzword, yeah. but what does that really look like? You know, what is that deep acceptance of who we are? And, and, you know, we talk about the word compassion all the time because it's the thing I talk about, I think, the most of that we can't get to those places of self-love if we are still coming from that critical inner voice, if we are still punishing ourselves. If we replace that with compassion and gentleness and, you know, I often say to my clients, get that feeling of shame or get that feeling of judgment and wrap it in a blanket of compassion <laughs> and just and just say, nope, I'm just holding on to this blanket of compassion here because this is what I want to move more towards. And even if you can let 5% of compassion in, it's a starting place and then it can grow and grow and grow so that we then develop that deep self-love and acceptance that we then take out to our children. We take out into the world. We, we take out in many, many other places. Mm. And I think that's the core of both of our work, isn't it? That we are supporting and communicating and aiming to really um, offer that felt experience for parents to really, that we're there to love them and to give them that ongoing experience of being unconditionally loved that all their feelings are welcome all their needs are beautiful gifts mm. they don't need to keep on judging themselves or shaming themselves or punishing themselves or feeling guilty and you know the transformation that happens for for parents it's, it's profound to see isn't it when you reflect on some of your clients or mentees I, I just see it so again if anyone's like you were saying if anyone's like oh i 
haven't done this or I don't know how to do this. It really is possible to have, you know, to transform around all of this, to transform around love. Yes. And I, it, it makes me think about too, from a therapy point of view, you know, in our mainstream culture, therapy is, there's often a disconnection between the therapist and the client and we talk about what's going on in your head and all of that has a place, right? But when, I don't know, I think you would agree with me. <laughs> Some of the greatest transformations I've ever seen is when you sit and you hold space for compassion and deep acceptance for our clients' tears and we show them what just looking through loving eyes looks like when we're with them, then that's what they feel, a sense of being loved and accepted in their most rawest moments. And that, is what transforms them you know and i think you know we've definitely got there's a time and place for all sorts of different modalities but wow i see that as really powerful mm. i've already got an idea now for next year for this year actually for for a um offering for both of us so oh, okay <laughs> Should we just have a love workshop and we'll just invite people and then we can hug them and look into their eyes and stroke their head like they're little ones and say we love you. <laughs> yep, and all those loving phrases. Love exactly as you are. You haven't done anything wrong, sweetheart. We'll always be here. <laughs> oh dear. Okay. And people are either going yay or they're going, yep, no, nah, I'm running away from that. <laughs> and also to know, you know, particularly in both of our work, that whatever shows up around love is also part of what needs to be heard. So, I, you know, I talk about this a lot in, my, in the loving presence process work, which isn't aware parenting, but very, you know, um, related to it is that just as when, you know, a child might be there and might be upset and we might be moving in with love and to, to listen to them and say, no, I'm here with you. And they might be, they might be then saying, I hate you or leave me alone, or, go away or no, don't, don't listen to me is often that's exactly what needs to be heard and we will do the same you know i often say that what uh, when love is present whatever needs to be love will show up so mm -hmm. i see the same as us you know when we're doing uh, when we're receiving love from the outside or that it's the inner loving presences when when love is there often the parts of us that needed to express go away or leave me alone or i don't trust that you're going to love me or, or yes you say you love me but then you're going to punish me all of that stuff will show up to be loved and that's part of the healing process the parts of us that didn't experience being loved being listened to being met with unconditional presence need to be heard need to have their feelings heard and isn't relationship the perfect place for that to happen <laughs> So, isn't that why we choose our partners on some level? Because they're like, oh, what we need to do? oh, and I've got this one. Perfect. Let's come together and we'll play yeah. that out, shall we? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then if we don't get it, we just make it their fault and they need to be doing this and they need to be yeah. doing that. Whereas really they're the perfect person to help those wounds and pieces be felt into. That's a whole other discussion that we can go into. Yeah, but yeah. it's so true. It's so true, isn't it? And ex-husbands, they work the same. Like the, mm -hmm. Michael popped around the other day and I was telling him about this new thing that I watched the other day. And I said, can you watch this? Because it's really, and I'm just so passionate about it. I shared it with you as well. And he was like, and then he just, texted me back a, like a, what is it like the quacks what is that like a quack anti-quackery oh, okay. that person and I thought and I was really reacting and I was reacting back like no but look just you know and and he kept on talking and then about 10 minutes later I was like oh yeah I know what's going on it's he's you know, I'm making my dad 
my dad's not listening to actually I just want to just want him to say great I love what Mazzy I love what you're sharing yeah tell me more and so then I explained he was like yeah I thought that was going on it's so great <laughs> I came out the other side went so sorry thank you for that bit of yeah. extra healing it's yeah. always there these younger parts that yeah. didn't feel loved will show yeah. up constantly to be heard yeah totally 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 we'll never totally. give up and that's the great thing with our kids too they will keep giving yeah. us opportunities if we haven't heard them in places they'll keep coming back over and yes. over to show us yes. where they don't feel loved yes totally <laughs> i mean that's look at you know when we talk about it we're parenting and obviously we talk about parenting a lot but it, you know i do as much talking with people around their relationships as, as parenting and you know that piece to be able to in a moment like you did go oh there's something here for me <laughs> yep. and it's probably not about Michael it's but it's what I'm perceiving it to be and how old do I feel right now yeah. and um, you know they're such beautiful questions to ask ourselves when we're having a reaction to anyone whether it's your partner or your parent or a work colleague or something what's going yeah. on for me now I, I love to just ask the question who's around that's what I say to myself yeah. who's here like is that my mom is that my dad is that an old school teacher is that you know an old friend like who's around here that's bringing up this beautiful piece you know for me to look at I mean we joke about that a lot don't we we you know the teenage parts of us yeah, we're going to talk about that too aren't we have yeah. us too as well yes. you know, I find that hard to believe and it really does <laughs> Yeah, that's going to be our next podcast. But that the teenage part, you know, is, I mean, in building my school in the last three years, the teenage Lael has been, whew, she's been here a lot. <laughs> because, you know, all the parts about self-doubt and can I do something hard and I'm not smart enough. And so I would have these massive reactions. Every time I had to have a meeting with any of the legal team for our school or something like that, I would walk away going, I'm not very smart. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what it was about lawyers, but it just made me feel like I was totally incompetent it was all my perception of it but gosh I needed a lot of work on those parts of myself through doing this this huge project so I just you know I think the beautiful thing of this if, if you have awareness around it if you can just own it and go oh there's something here it's an invitation to feel into it gosh it just is so empowering because then you can do it and then move it and then it doesn't you know so yeah we'll talk more about that in our next podcast won't we yeah we still if we still got yes to it. <laughs> um, I do also want to say a couple of things as well about some, uh, often these are things that we, um, that happen that, you know, we don't do to our children. Like I'm thinking, for example, you know, my experience as a baby being in an incubator, you've heard me talk about this a lot. It's, you know, so often that experiences that happen and we can think about, you know, culturally or in the bigger world, things that are happening to children that, you know, we may not have much of um you know, control over, for example, but they experience that as us not loving them. So, you know, often these things as well can be really pre-verbal. They can be really, you know, embedded in those parts of the unconscious. I can't think of that. What's that word? Where we, uh, the implicit, the implicit memory. And, you know, even things, particularly things for babies, you know, because for babies being loved is so much around being held being having attuned responses but so much about being held and having that touch so if we didn't get that or we get separated or you know if for our children they've had those experiences those can really um be those felt experiences of uh, you know I, I wasn't held oh i wasn't loved and again they can you know healing can happen at any age whether a newborn baby that has perhaps um you know been to 
uh, special care baby unit or whatever you call it in your own country and being separated that we can we can listen to their feelings when they're babies or if we don't know about that or we don't have the capacity we can listen at, at any age or we can we can heal those things when we're an adult like i've done you know it's never ever too late to actually get to those places where we experience not being loved through often through just what was happening in the environment and actually to come back to then uh, what I loved again what you said is that we can be with that younger part so I can be with baby me who who experienced that but I can also be here as adult me who totally loves my mum and has deep compassion for what she experienced there so it's like really the capacity to to hold that and to heal at any age so that we feel a more and more deeply felt sense of I am loved I'm so loved I'm so loved in really practical tangible ways Mm, I love that and I love that that for parents who might be listening to this going oh gosh maybe my child did feel abandoned because of this or maybe that that's where they don't feel loved you know I know a lot of parents go but am I getting it wrong and am I going to mess them up and stuff like that? And I think that's where I love this so much is it's trusting like our last podcast that when the time is right, they'll bring that healing to you. And that could be when they're two, it could be when they're 10, it could be when they're 17. Our job is to stay open so that they know they can bring it when it's right for them to do that healing. And I really, I mean, I relate to little baby, you Marion in the incubator. And, you know, I, I, I feel from the parent side of that, of having my daughter, you know, be, you know, she spent the first four days of her life in a coma. Like she wasn't held. There were people around her. She didn't know, you know, one of the things that was the biggest grief for me um, because that was so hard just having to trust that experience is that when she opened her eyes I wasn't the first person she saw and I had to grieve that again and again and again (laughs) years that went on that I those waves of feeling would come up for me of like oh my god my baby didn't see me first Mm -hmm. because I wasn't there when she you know it was I don't know you know, like it just was, I couldn't be with her 24 seven and all those things that happened, you know, that was such a big piece for me to heal, to then really trust that when she was ready for whatever healing she needed, which was, a would have been a totally different story to me. Like it's my perception that that may have been whatever for her, that I really trusted her journey to do that. And gosh, we did so much healing in those early years as, you know, it was profound. And it taught me a lot about really trusting her timing and, that we can't, there's no perfect. We're not going to get this 100% right. And I think we need to let that go because our children are going to have the journey they have and all we can do is be there to hold space for them in whatever capacity they need, keep doing our work again, turn up for them in the way they need to. And that, that is love, right? That is love. That is love, yeah. Increasing our capacity to, to feel love, to be loving, to see through the eyes of love, to have the the uh, understanding of what they're doing through the eyes of love. That's, that's our job, isn't it? Mm, mm, so big. So yummy. I'm going to read through our notes just to see if we... Right. Got so another piece of love. Yes. yes. Is there something that you felt? Um, I, I will, I just want to bring it back to us. What makes us feel loved as parents, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So whether that's in your intimate relationship or... What is it that makes you feel loved? What What do you love? Do you love words? Do you love time by yourself? Do you love touch? Do you love, I don't know, what is it? And and I think, you know, it can be that 
trickiness of sometimes we want our children to show us love in the way that we think they should. And that can be another little edge that can be interesting (laughs) because we're all complex humans who have different perceptions around how the world works. And, you know, I always come back to that. We need to feel loved enough within ourselves that we don't have that expectation of our children. We're just there to, to allow our children to be who they need to be. And, and I really trust this. And so I know you do too, is that our children, their prime motivation is always to be connected to us and to be in that beautiful love bubble. That's what they're working for always because that's what feels good. Yes, so yummy. I saw one thing that I'd written down that I would love to, I think we have talked about it already, but I really would love to say, you know, I really love your phrase, Lau, that to, to see behind the behavior. And I think, again, the aware parenting model and understanding of why children behave as they do you know why they are hitting their baby sister or why they are um, spitting or whatever the thing is is the more that we understand that their behavior is not who they are it's not their personality it doesn't it doesn't mean that anything about their future it simply is communicating something about what's going on for them and again that lovely list of three that we always go back to and then the more and more that we can see I'm going to use your phrase again, behind the behavior, the more we are seeing them. So again, it's this cultural deconditioning because the cultural conditioning is, you know, to judge, to, to make a, an interpretation of a child, isn't it? You sit, we'll sit all the time, you know, particularly perhaps when we were growing up, you know, that child is out of control or that child is fussy or that child is a poor sleeper, or, you know, all these things that we make about their personality or, you know, they're really aggressive rather than seeing that this is their behavior they through their behavior they're trying to communicate to us what they need what they feel what's going on for them what's going through their minds and when we can really see that that's communication it isn't actually who they really are the more again they're going to actually experience being loved because we're not judging them or seeing that as who they are so it's like really seeing who they really are who are they really behind that and really who they really are often it's it's really those times when they feel connected when their needs are met when they're experiencing being loved when they've expressed a big chunk of feelings it's you know that's that is more who they really are that's their true nature when they get to do what they love and we're supporting them mm-hmm. so again i think coming back to our parenting all these things that we talk about as the tangible practices they're really deeply embodied and embedded in a purpose which is to really support children in in knowing that they are deeply loved that they are lovable that that they're trusted in what they do and, and you know so that the practical tangible things are there for a really important reason mm, yeah that's such an important piece uh, yeah it's just yes 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 <laughs> yes 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 to that all right what would we like what was what's your offering to finish off marion that you would love to offer our listeners around this topic hmm. well i wonder what, what you feel because yeah, i know after these kinds of things sometimes we can feel inspired to go and like oh my gosh i'd love to go and do you feel inspired now to go and connect with your child or your children your baby or your teen or whoever it is in a way that you have a sense will really help them experience feeling loved and if so i really invite you to go and do that Mm, yeah um, and i think my invitation would be maybe to really gently and compassionately reflect back to when you were little around what you perceived feeling loved felt like or perhaps 
looking at it with curiosity around what your parents may have perceived that had to look like and just where that lands with you now, you know, and what, and, and I guess, you know, has that carried through your life, like some of the stuff I've shared or that Marion shared and, you know, what, what may need to be welcomed in now as an adult around what would feel love for you? Mm, so yummy. I'd like to offer a second one this time, okay. which I yeah. But if you've got a baby or you just really want to understand your, if you didn't know about aware parenting when your child or children were babies, in Aletha's book, Aletha Salter's book, The Aware Baby, chapter one is called Beginnings, Letting Your Baby Feel Loved. So mm. that can be a really helpful one to really support us in, you know, really understanding on those, uh, yeah, in that implicit memory level. Because mm. again, that all of that touch, all of those things, things we missed can still be put in place at any age. It's never too late. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for saying that. You're so right. It's never too late. And be compassion to anybody who's got feelings around this, around our stories or around love and what that feels like. Be surprised if people didn't feel certain things mm. after listening to that, especially your beautiful stories. Yeah, thanks, honey. Thank you. Thank you all for being here. Thanks for, for all your sharing again and all your, your beautiful comments. We really do. Um, we love doing this. It feels really beautiful and it feels like it really is creating more space for everybody to move into being the parents they want to be. So we really value all your listening and support. Thanks, everybody. Mm, so much love to you. Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.